welcome. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You walk into this room at your own risk. You are about to participate in a great adventure. That the sons of God saw, the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Take heed that no man deceive you. Realize that liars do not fear the truth if there are enough liars. But we got a vaccine done in nine months, and fortunately, yes. that's not only going to save our country, it's going to save the world. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. And it's really saving our country, and it's saving, frankly, the world. That the devil is just one man with a plan, but evil. True evil is a collaboration of men. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Lift off and the clock has started. You see this microphone right here? You see this one right over here? Good morning. It is January 19, 2022. 2022. I'm going to tell you, this is, oh yeah, Tom Richardson with uh, Removing Confusion. Uh, I haven't had a chance to do a, 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 a show for a bit, a podcast for a little while, and uh, we've had some personal issues uh, pop up, some things that uh, don't need to really need be uh, put out there in public. I mean, it's nothing terrible. Some of it wasn't great, but uh, I'll forget that. We're, we're just going to go forward here. Uh it's been a year already. <laughs> what what are we looking at, folks? We've got such breakdown in our society here in the United States that uh, I don't think any of us saw it coming. Uh, not to this degree and not to this speed in which it has happened to us. It's, you got to leave this town for it's too late, old Stevie says. But let me say this. You can leave, but you uh, may run to someplace worse. Uh, if you're in a blue state in a blue city, what that means New York, L.A., Chicago, Baltimore, Frisco, Austin, yeah, even in the... In those states like Texas that are being overrun by illegal immigrants or aliens, as we used to be able to call them, there's places that are just bastions of blue democratic socialistic ideals. Um, there's some good places yet to to uh, to hang your hat in those states, but you better be ready because they're. Filth and their garbage always seems to filter out into the suburban areas, uh, even the far-reaching suburban areas, and even to the rural. Because uh, usually those states have a pretty messed-up governor, attorney general, uh, lieutenant governor, go on and on. So, so we're looking at the breakdown of America and people get, Oh, what do you, t- you can't say that. That's not nice. 
we're a God-fearing nation, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me let me tell you something. We used to be, but uh, I think at this point in time, I think if you really want to be honest with yourself, we've gone on to become a, a, a nation that's, you know, if we don't get on the right track, if we don't repent, suppose, let's use that word, repent as nation nationally of the things that we've been getting ourselves into we're going to go down the road to obscurity and i know that's not a popular thing to say but you have to be honest with yourself you have to be honest with what you see happening around you and say well you know don't take my advice. Don't take my word for it. Let's put it that way. I'm not offering advice. I offer opinions. Um, we're Let's just look at some of the things that are happening right here at home, and then we're going to go into something today that I, I, I wish I didn't have to talk about. And other guys have already been doing it, other ladies as well. But it doesn't seem to get as much mainstream press as it should, and now it's finally getting there. We'll get that in a minute. Supply chain problems. We've been barking about that forever. You know, you get Jen Psaki from the you know, White House. She'll get on to her little podium and say, you know, that you know, supply chain problems. Well, the, the, the fact that there's empty shelves is a good thing for the economy. That means the American people are buying things, basically. I mean, I'm paraphrasing an idiot, so it's kind of hard to you know get the words perfectly correct and i don't have the clip i wouldn't play it right now if i had it because she makes me sick but i gotta tell you it's that's press secretary for the white house jen pasaki and uh she doesn't offer much in that statement that came out a few months ago i think or at least a month or two ago and it's like this the empty shelves doesn't mean just that people are buying things. Of course they are. They've bought what was left of the stewed tomatoes and the you know black-eyed peas because there's nothing left. I remember when COVID hit 2020, we kept hearing, me and the wife, now we've, we've always kept a pretty good stock of things that we, we could live on beans and we have meat you know we have this stuff rice lots of rice uh because it, it it's filling you know it, it's it, it'll it'll hold you when you need it and things to season it up with but you know we needed some sundries we'll go to the store big big w you know and there's i'm telling you on the canned food shelves in our little local store empty from Almost completely. They did have, and I will plug them, Glory. Uh, it's the name brand Glory uh, uh, Collard Greens. They have collard greens and, and all the all the greens you can think of. Uh, spinach greens, turnip greens. I love them because they, they season them. And, uh, you know, it's that southern flair coming out in me, I guess. But I really do like them. I and mean, they had—that's they, all they had was that, and I think some, maybe some green beans or something. But I grabbed about four cans. I left a few because I didn't want to be a hoarder. I didn't want to get accused of something. You know, not that I cared. But I did leave. I left a, a can or two behind because I figured, well, you know, other folks might want to try it. If there's nothing else, you might as well grab it, right? But they're really good. It's good food. I don't get paid for that. I just tell you straight up, if you need to get some greens and you don't want to wash them out yourself, go get let let somebody else do it. And that was left in 2020. You know, the meat, gone. You know, chicken, you couldn't find out. Now, what I did finally, they started to stock it back up. I stocked it back up. And people say, well, you're a hoarder. No, I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> just, I, 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 I want to be able to take care of those around me when the time comes, if it comes. And it is. It's not usually if, it's when. So the supply chain problem has never been fixed ever since then. 
you know, the stores went through a thing where, you know, typically your grocery stores, wherever you may be, if it's Kroger, Publix, uh, here we have Giant Eagle and Walmart and all these guys, you know, you name it, you claim it. Most of them have a 72-hour supply of stuff. Now, some of it they probably have more of, like, you know, air freshener and stuff. But the the stuff you need, food, TP, uh, all that, 72 hours, three days. If they don't have a constant turning in of the trucks, in three days it'll, it'll all be gone. Now, we've seen that. We've seen it, folks. It didn't take three days to wipe out all the paper towels and toilet paper. It was gone. They moved the beer in there. <laughs> One store saw it to fill in the shelves. They needed something. You know, empty shelves don't look good to consumers. Empty shelves don't look good to the government because it's a flashback for those of us who have had our eye on this thing and had our hand on the plow and talking about it forever. It looks like Venezuela a couple of years ago before it completely fell, like like they say, like a hell in a hand cart. You, you'd see pictures coming out of Venezuela of completely empty store shelves. You can ration what you want. Mr. Shopkeeper, sooner or later, it's going to go, and you know it. And sometimes you have to keep people from overdoing it. You know, fear drives a lot of things. We've talked about fear here quite often. It's pinnacle number one in the great reset that Klaus Schwab wants us to have. And then, you know, goes on to, you know, you will, you will have nothing and be happy. If you ever listen to Klaus Schwab, and I've played him here, my buddy Mike has too, and and you see him on TV and all that, he looks, he sounds, and I think he just may be a Bond, a James Bond movie villain in the flesh. He's got the he's got it down. He's not German, but he's got that accent that for us it sounds like he's actually Swiss, but. uh, you know, it's 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 scary to listen to this guy because he, he's telling you, you, you don't need stuff. We're going to take over everything. We're going to take all your property. We're going to take your money, and you'll be happy. <laughs> you won't have a choice. They'll probably chop your head off if you're not happy. Up in uh, Canada, truckers that cross the border from Canada to the United States are being forced to quarantine every time they cross the border. I don't know if they do it on this side or not, probably. But when they cross into Canada, you're quarantined. This, this puts the truck and the driver in a place where he can't operate. So they've decided we're going to shut Ottawa down. And they surrounded Parliament with their trucks and said, we're not pulling them out until they pull these mandates and quarantines and all these ignorant rules. You know, they have these things now when when you have a loved one go to the hospital, only one person per day can go see that patient. Not one person at a time, one person per day. Now, if they got COVID, you're done. You can't go see them at all. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, yeah, there's probably some good reason behind that. So we won't argue that. But, you know, if if one person comes in, spends a half an hour, that person signed in, and that's it. Nobody else can come in the rest of the day. If, you're, if your long-lost cousin comes to visit, you know, only spends 15 minutes with you that day, your wife, your your husband, or anybody else is not allowed in. That's in the hospitals around here. I don't know about where you live in uh, various states and provinces and counties and uh, places across the world that we reach. But right here in good old USA, in the state of Ohio, you can't do it. That's disturbing to me. If I leave and somebody else wants to come in that's still, 
you know, they got to sign in, they've got to be screened, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, nope, that person's already had their one visit for today. And that's the end of it. So if you're going to go visit somebody, make it worth it. Spend some time with them. Watch TV, watch a football. No, don't watch football. I hate football, but, uh, you know, if they like it, watch it. I don't care. <clears throat> Buses in the bigger cities of, of the United States are getting to the point where they have 50, I forget what, what state it was or what city, but up to 50 to 70 bus drivers per day calling in sick, quarantined with COVID. So, uh, if you want to get around town and you don't have a car, you're kind of stuck. And if you live in New York City, you don't want to ride the subway because you might get killed. Uh, A young lady was pushed in front of a train, from what I understand, and killed by a homeless guy who had a long round of mental problems. Crime is increasing by the day. And I'm talking some serious crimes in these bigger cities where people are dying, being killed, you know, knived over in L.A. A nurse was uh, punched or whatever, hit by another homeless fella with mental issues. She hit her head when she fell and died. A nurse waiting on the bus or you know walking into work, whatever it was. So there you have it. And that's just two incidents. I mean, there's many more. You go to Chicago and you're going to get shot. You might not die. Everybody dies when they get shot, but a whole lot of them did last year, didn't they? And they're starting out this year pretty good. You know, I watched a show one time. It was about the drug dealers, and they had their face covered up and all that. And uh, in Chicago... This was years ago, you know, not not that many, but a few back. And this guy told about what they do. When they when they have somebody that they're going to go after, they wait until there's going to be like the 4th of July. All the fireworks going on covers up the gunfire. So they can target somebody. They usually know where they're at. They go look them up. And while the bombs are going off in the air, Boom, you're dead on the ground. These guys are very organized. They're very scary people. Stay out of the big cities. And when it comes to small towns, I I think that we'll handle it. One way or another. The thing that really is disturbing, though, is how we have these uh, socialist leftists that want to just quit prosecuting crime. Like Manhattan DA that just got elected uh, is, I'm not going to prosecute minor crimes. Now, minor crimes in New York City back in the Giuliani days, I think it was Bernie Carrick was the uh, uh, police commissioner. They called it broken windows policing. If you broke Down to the level of if you broke a window, you were ticketed. You were, you were hauled off. And that kind of stopped and the, a lot of the crime because they knew if they went after you for that, they'll go hard after you for murder, uh, rape, uh, burglary, all the others that come after. So, you know, that kind of slowed things down a little bit, made, made New York a little bit more of a cleaner and uh, safer city to go and visit or live. And now it's gone and reverted back to its old days of dirty streets and dangerous streets. It's like walking the old west or something with a mask. And yeah, hey, guys wearing a mask. I couldn't tell who he was or what he looked like. He was like you know average height, the you know brown hair. What what his face? And I don't know. Couldn't see it. it's nose and everything covered up. See what we're doing to ourselves and. You know, the facial recognition is worthless, I guess. I don't know. But that's that's the that's the ticket here in the United States. We're having all these 
things happen in these big cities that are taken over by the, the you know, Lori Lightfoot types and, and uh, we got rid of de Blasio in New York, but you know, what's coming after him. Hopefully Adams, I guess his name is, will do better, but so far he's backpedaling former police guy, you know, but he's backpedaling. He's not really getting tough on crime like we need in these big cities. We need somebody to at least pick up the torch and say, look, I'm going to do it. But when they get in there under the Democratic Party, then they get all this pressure like, well, if you want to be senator someday maybe, or if you want to be governor, you better do what we say. And politicians always are looking to the next rung of the ladder all the way to the White House if they can do it. Most of them can't. It's kind of like playing in the big leagues. Now, switch rules. Uh, switch rules. <laughs> Let's switch topics. I've got some clips here that are very, very disturbing. Um, we're we're going to go international now. We're going to talk about what's going on overseas. But it really does have everything to do with us. I, I've decided to title this particular part of the program, which is almost at the halfway point for what I usually do. It's about 22 minutes in. Poking the panda and the grizzly. We are on the verge of a two-pronged war, which would be the most devastating set of wars, if you want to call it that, that I think this world has ever seen under the guidance of one of the worst leaders this country has ever seen. Uh, he, he's no FDR, even though I'm not a big fan of that guy either with all his socialist problem, uh, socialist programs that we still are chewing on today. But FDR got us through world war two after he got us into world war two. That's right. And then every war after that kind of just fell on the heels of it. You know, Korea, Vietnam, on and on. Look, China is going to be a problem, whether we like it or not. They have that nice, calm demeanor about them as we see them. You know, the girls are pretty. The guys are very, you know, mannered and all that. Now, I'm not talking about our Chinese Americans that are here in our, in our country who have gotten out of that place. I'm talking about the real China. And, you know, the, the people who live there are not the people we need to be concerned with. It's the ones running the country, just like here, that we cannot trust. Now, I have a clip here that we're going to play. This is from the... Uh, I think it's like 60 Minutes Australia. Australia is rather concerned about China because China's in their backyard. And already Australia is in dire problems with all the COVID issues. Let's go ahead and see as we listen here to what this fellow has to say. And then we'll have some comments perhaps later. The message coming out of China is getting louder by the day. It doesn't like other countries, especially Australia, ganging up and meddling in its affairs. As we know, Beijing is currently doing its best to punish us economically. But in the last few days, President Xi Jinping has also ratcheted up the rhetoric by warning of the perils of a new Cold War. A loose translation is if we don't stop poking the panda will face serious consequences. Now, it's worth taking that threat seriously because Xi controls the largest military force in the world. And as one of his supporters cautions tonight, the cost of conflict with China could be Armageddon. It's a prospect as terrifying as it is unthinkable. A military showdown between two nuclear-armed superpowers, the United States and China. A conflict that could reshape the world order. Is Australia vulnerable at the moment? Australia is monstrously vulnerable at the moment. We have this naive faith 
that American military power is infinite and it's not. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to, I didn't plan on doing this. This is a very long clip that I'm playing. It's like five minutes or so. But it's worth your listening. I want you to hear what he said. You know, Australia, like a lot of our allies, depends upon our military to be the strong superpower military that it always has been. But we they can't totally depend on us anymore. Because we've been stretched sin stretched so thin over the last two wars that we fought, Iraq and Afghanistan, which we just well, I won't go there. And then we left all of our hardware behind for the uh, sale on the world market and uh, help fund all of our enemies. So we are not the power that we used to be. We still have our uh, the Seventh Fleet and, and our aircraft carriers and all that. But with all the problems, again, of our supply chain that brings in those computer chips and all these other things that go into the bombs. I'm not sure where they're making them, but I don't think they're making them here. We're in trouble if we go up against the dragon. I'm going to let this play more. Leading minds on the looming war with China. It's going to be waged on an economic front. It's going to be waged on a social affairs front. They're going to come at us all ways. How likely is it? How prepared are we? And at what cost for us and the world? Use all your imagination. Think about all the nightmares you can think of. And what will happen will be 10 times more than your worst nightmare. You are talking about the possibility of Armageddon. Anyone who dares try to do that will have their heads bashed bloody against the Great Wall of Steel, forged by over 1.4 billion Chinese people. President Xi Jinping's hard line at the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party in July was followed by a record number of Chinese fighter planes breaching Taiwanese airspace. More than 150 incursions over just a four-day period. The question is, if China does make a move on Taiwan, will the US respond? Right now, the answer seems to be yes. I just want to make China understand that we are not going to step back. We are not going to change any of our views. So are you saying that that the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if China attacked? Yes, we have a commitment to do that. Those who want to block China's unification with China's Taiwan will be doomed to failure. This guy you're hearing right here is not on our side. This guy that you're hearing right now, Chinese fella, is the mouthpiece for president, as they call him, Deng Xiaoping. And he's telling you, if we go up against China, whammo. Peter Gao is an expert in Chinese affairs and an unofficial mouthpiece for the regime in Beijing. Vice President of the Centre for China and Globalisation think tank, he's a former diplomat who was the interpreter for communist leader Deng Xiaoping. If the US does intervene in Taiwan and Australia supports them, what will happen to Australia? Listen, if Australia goes to fight together with the US soldiers in China's drive for reunification between China's mainland and China's Taiwan, then you are talking about the worst thing you can dream of. A war between China and the United States will soon escalate out of control, and that will be Armageddon, Armageddon, and Armageddon. And this is what I hope the Australian people will come to realize, that you need to deal with China with respect as much as you give to the United States. Let the Chinese people do their mission. 
Let China's mainland unite with Taiwan, and that will make the Chinese, the Americans, the Australians, and mankind as a whole happier and safer. You said Australia should show China more respect, but it sounds to me like you want Australia to kneel down before China and fear them. Absolutely not. I think China probably, at the heart, is a country of pandas. Do you really want to fear panda? Do you think a kangaroo will fear a panda? Probably not. A panda probably will run away in front of a leg-kicking kangaroo. This is what we will get all the time. So, they're trying to play it down like China is a is a is a country of panda <laughs> and not kangaroos that a panda would run from a kangaroo. And I don't know, I I've, I've never studied up much on pandas, but I under they're bears. They're not like koala bears that are only so so small these are pretty good sized bears i don't believe i want to go up against a panda one on one you know he said in there that if if united states and australia gang together against china in their reunification uh practices with uh taiwan Taiwan doesn't want to reunify with them. You know, tai, Taiwan's uh, people that get out, you know, they're politicians, are like, no, we're, we're, we have freedoms. We know that as soon as China takes over, mainland China, we lose all of our freedoms. It would be like if they came here and decided to attack the United States and took over, you know, God forbid, uh, we would lose our freedoms. We would be like the Chinese. Many of us, the uh, voice you hear now, would probably either be dead or put into a camp and worked to death, which <laughs> in my current condition, it might not take long. <laughs> but, uh, shoveling snow, for one thing. You don't want to do that when you get old. Listen, Armageddon, Armageddon, Armageddon. He, he said it three times. Those of us who know about the, uh, the Bible know that the War of Armageddon is a very, very bloody war. The war to end all wars, from what I understand, forever. Blood running to the... The, the bridles of horses and you know going on for miles and miles and miles. So we're talking, you know, he said he said it three times. Why did he say it three times? Why did he seem like he needed to say Armageddon, Armageddon, and Armageddon? He's saying if you go up against us with the Australians and the Americans come after the Chinese it will be like Armageddon times three. We will crush you and let your blood run forever. And then we'll own your homes, your houses, and your businesses. From, as people say, the panda huggers. Uh, I, I, I believe that the Chinese Communist Party's aim is to be dominant in this region and perhaps dominant in the world. And this is a zero-sum game. It must remove America from the Western Pacific in order to be dominant in this region. Simple as that. Few have a handle on the strategic perils of the Taiwan issue, quite like Australia's former Major General, Jim Molan. A lot of experts are looking in the crystal ball at the moment, trying to figure out if and when there would be war over Taiwan. When do you think this is likely to all play out? Fundamentally, given the power that they have now in their military, they could act any time from now on. And that's what frightens me more than anything. From now on. I think that was a couple of months ago that they put that, that uh, interview that, uh, together. It's, it's, a, it's well worth looking. If you go on YouTube and, and just type in war with China, <laughs> and you know, uh, that's uh, 
60 minutes Australia, you'll find it. It's like 19 minutes long. I cut it way down. There's a lot of stuff in there worth listening to or watching, seeing, whatever. Uh, because, folks, we are on the cusp of a lot of things. And World War, ugly World War, is there. Chinese, the Chinese, when they fight, they don't fight to lose. The Oriental mindset is not like the Western mindset. They will fight unto the death. You know, we have a Judeo-Christian mindset for the most part. For the most part. Everybody else that we fight, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety in our armed forces now. But as, as a whole, governmentally and militarily, we, we have that, that mindset of an afterlife of heaven or hell. Uh, like there's a, there's always been this tinderbox over in, in, uh, uh, India and, uh, Kashmir region with Pakistan. You're, you're talking Hindus who believe in reincarnation. So they, they don't fear death in 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 the fact that they may go to hell like we do or they don't fear on the other side you have islamics who say if i die in the war jihad whatever some of that's considered personal struggles but if they die in in a valiant effort for their nation and and their belief because they always think islam is the top reason to fight they're not going to see hell. They're going to see paradise with 72 virgins. Virgins. That's what they think. They don't fear the death. They believe that, you know, they do believe in the afterlife that they're going on, but they have these different ideas. So in India alone, you've always had this fight between Pakistan and India over the Kashmir region, and it could they're both nuclear. Boom, boom, you know, mutually assured destruction. And uh, in another clip I have, I think it might be still in there, they talk about, you know, that's not the big problem now is mutually assured destruction with with us and Russia, us and others. It's, you know, the economic issues that will come up. Now, again, switching gears, I I just threw that in there to let you think about the people we fight against. Uh, China's got a lot of Buddhists. And it's always a progression going on, you know, finding the light and all these kinds of things. Their religious ideals cloud their thought of dying. They die for a cause, and they don't care. They will go do it. You know, most of us don't look forward to running into a, a hail of bullets to take down our enemy. We, we do it with a thought of self-preservation. They don't have it so much. Now, when you go to China as well, you know, the Buddhists, and, but then a lot of them are atheists, just like the Russians were and still are to a certain degree. They don't, they don't believe in anything. When I'm dead, I'm dead. I just go into a blackness or whatever. So, you know, your theological ideals play into this thing as well as just, hey, you know, i got to fight because if I don't, they're going to kill me anyway. You know, the Chinese, the Russians, they'll they'll put me up against the wall and and shoot me. But uh, Mr. Ping there really thinks highly of his army and says anybody who comes against China will smash their face against a steel wall. Smash their head bloody against a steel wall. So it sounds to me like he's got a little tougher uh, retort to our possible getting engaged with them in in battle than our leader does. Now let's go to the other the other side of this as we crawl through the time I have here. Russia, 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 Russia. We've been hearing about Russia all along since. Donald Trump went into office. They tried to put him in cahoots with Russia and failed. 
tried to impeach him over being in cahoots with Russia and failed. And people kept saying, well, Russia's not really the problem that they used to be. You know, they're just, you know, it's Chinese we got to watch out for, which we do. We really do. But we, we kind of turned our head on Russia. I don't, I don't know that uh, our government did. But I guarantee you the people in our nation kind of did. Because we, ah, Russia, you know. Russia's never stopped with their military and military actions and their building up of their military force or building up of their military weaponry. And they've got some pretty decent stuff here and there. Uh, We are going down a bad road here in the Ukraine. I shouldn't say that. I I try not to say that. In Ukraine. Now, we want to help a nation. They say it's a sovereign nation and they deserve to have a sovereign nation without having these Russians coming across their border. Uh, We've been letting people across our border forever. I I just recently found out and the mayor of a a town in Panama has had up to 100,000 different uh, caravans, as they call them, or immigrants in Panama going through his town, 100,000 in that one town. Imagine how many there may be all across that, that small nation and others. And they're from Somalia, Afghanistan, Cuba, you name it, they're on their way. They're not, they're not just the South Americans trying to flee the empty shelves of Venezuela or Argentina. These are people from all over the planet that hit the South American shores and they're coming our way, Haitians, you name it. They're headed for us. And we, the Biden administration, <laughs> not me, we, but the we of America, will let them in. But yet we're so concerned about Ukraine because, you know, we have an obligation to them because of their almost NATO status, which I don't even think they're in NATO. Anyway, uh, let, let, let some experts talk to you about it. The White House National Security Advisor is warning Russia will face, quote, severe economic consequences if it invades Ukraine. U.S. officials. I'm sure they're scared to death of our economic consequences. Maintain Russia is preparing a pretext for a Ukrainian invasion that could take place as soon as this month. They are reporting Russia has pre-positioned a group of operatives to conduct a, quote, false flag operation in the eastern region of Ukraine. Intelligence officials estimate a military invasion could begin at any point between now and mid-February. Washington officials also report Russian authorities are launching a social media campaign to frame Ukraine as the aggressor. Moscow is dismissing U.S. officials' statements, calling them, quote, unfounded. And Olivia, in appearing on Face the Nation Sunday, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told Margaret Brennan the U.S. is pursuing both deterrent and diplomatic responses to Russia. Let's listen. We're ready either way. If Russia wants to move forward with diplomacy, we are absolutely ready to do that in lockstep with our allies and partners. If Russia wants to go down the path of invasion and escalation, we're ready for that, too, with a robust response that will cut at their strategic position. So from our perspective, uh, we are pursuing simultaneously deterrence and diplomacy, and we've been clear and steadfast in that, uh, again, fully united with the transatlantic community. So, in other words, we're ready, to, we're ready either to economically sanction them or just go right on into war. Why not have war and get it over with, right? Let's get it done, they say. Uh, we, we, need to, we can't just let the Russians walk into Ukraine. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really on board with the uh, whole idea of letting the Russians do whatever they want with Ukraine, but we're, we're not going to go to war with Russia with any good outcome. 
I want you to, there was a, there was a couple of words in that statement in that little clip where it said the Russians were going to try to create a false flag incident to create a war with Ukraine. Uh, uh, I'm going to have uh, Victor Cole, or I'm sorry, what's his name? Vernon Coleman. Vernon Coleman is going to explain to you what a false flag event is. The name false flag comes from the days when naughty captains of sailing ships used to put up a flag suggesting that they belonged to an opposing navy. The innocent ship's captains of the other side, seeing their own flag fluttering aloft, would merely assume that they could safely approach to exchange cooking recipes and favourite holiday resorts with a fellow captain. Since social media wasn't available then, suddenly whoosh a flurry of cannonballs would tear away their mizzenmast I read the Horatio Hornblower stories when I was young, leaving them vulnerable to a quick and humiliating capture. The people behind these false flag operations are evil almost beyond comprehension. The false, the front men, the Schwabs, Gates, Blair and so on, are merely puppets dancing to tunes orchestrated and conducted by dark and sinister figures who have personal objectives so corrupt and so terrifying that our natural human instincts reject them as inconceivable. As has been said before, if the lies you tell are big enough, no one will believe you're lying, but no one will believe that anyone because no one will believe that anyone could be that evil. But people are that evil, some people anyway, and they're about to take total final control of our lives, our world and our future. Time's running out fast. So a false flag basically goes way back to sailing vessels in the old days. I'm just going to recap. Where they'd fall, they'd fly. They'd fly the other Navy's flag on their staff, and when you approach, they blow you away. Uh, in the common era, some of the things that have gone on um, have been deemed false flag events. In Germany, in world before World War Two, and the engagements of of everything. Uh, Hitler had them hit the Reichstag, his brown shirts or whoever, hit the Reichstag and then blamed it on the Russians or whoever. You get the idea? So that gives them an open door to attack an enemy who may not have done anything. But they inflict some kind of a damage to themselves. And then say, hey, look what, you know, the Russians did or the Chinese. And they're thinking that on this Ukrainian-Russian deal, there's they, from what I've read and, and looked at, there are Russian operatives who have infiltrated Ukraine. And who knows, they, maybe they're going to pop something so they can get, get the, uh, the ball rolling on this war. I'm sure the Ukrainians really don't want to fight the Russians. But if they can pull off a big enough false flag event, there will be no choice but to defend themselves, the the Ukrainians. And who's going to jump right in there is probably going to be the United States. Britain has already sent some 600 uh, special air service. That's the equivalent to our... Uh, SOCOM soldiers, the uh, Green Beret types, Rangers and that. They've sent at least 600 down to the uh, Ukrainian border to shore that up a little bit. The Germans are standoffish. They're not getting involved. They told the uh, United Kingdom that they will not allow United Kingdom Air Force jets to fly over their airspace. This is very reminiscent of France's stance on the United States, UK, during the uh, first Iraq war. And probably the second, because France is always bouncing off of something. But anyway, we've, we've got a major conflict that could happen. Now, this was an a, 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 a audio clip I've given you from only several days ago. And the, they 
postulate in there that this war, this conflict, whatever you want to call it, because they don't like the word war, but this conflict could kick off any time between now, today, and mid-February. And people will tell you, you don't have to worry about anything. Don't worry about the Russians. They're no problem. Here's another. Here's another. Uh, that was from, uh, I think that was from CNBC, actually. This is from the BBC. Now, the White House says the situation between Russia and Ukraine is extremely dangerous and that Russia could at any point launch an attack. Russia has deployed around 100,000 troops at the border, uh, but denies that it's planning to invade. Our diplomatic correspondent, James Landill, has the latest. Russian forces training near the border with Ukraine. Just some of thousands deployed there since the autumn, raising fears in the West that Russia's planning an invasion. Now think about that. They've been there since autumn, so somewhere between September 20th and December 20th, they've been hanging around out there, you know, playing war games. Now, most war games don't last that long. They just do it for a week or three and, you know, get everybody dirty and have to go back and clean all their weapons and all the junk. I've been there. I've done that. Um, but here's a deal. They're, they're out there on the Ukrainian border making a lot of noise flexing their muscles and saying, look what we got. You better just let us in and just give up. And uh, I don't think uh, Ukrainians are ready for that. That are dismissed by Moscow, but exacerbated by this, the arrival of Russian forces this week in Belarus, north of Ukraine, for what Moscow says are joint military exercises to repel external aggressors. But NATO's Secretary General said the risk of conflict was real. The main task now is to prevent a military attack on Ukraine. And that's exactly why uh, we send a very clear message to Russia that if they once again decide to use force against Ukraine, it will come with a high cost for Russia. Britain is sending short-range anti-tank weapons to bolster Ukraine's defences, with, Downing Street said, about 100 British troops to help with the training. Russia's estimated to have about 100,000 troops on the border with Ukraine, most of the north and the east, with fears they could try to link up with Crimea that Russia annexed in 2014. But with Russian troops now in Belarus, there are fears they could also target the capital, Kiev, from the north. But what's the West prepared to do to deter Russia? Would it abandon this new gas pipeline from Russia to Germany that could leave energy prices soaring across Europe? Well, today, Germany's foreign minister was in Moscow and said her country was ready to pay a high economic price and there could be consequences for the pipeline. Russia's foreign minister said that would be counterproductive and rejected what he called speculation about Russian aggression. We are not threatening anyone, but hear threats directed at us. We cannot accept demands related to military operations on our own territory. But the White House said the situation was extremely dangerous. We're now at a stage where Russia could at any point launch an attack on Ukraine. Uh, I would say that's more stark than we have been. For now, the US is still looking for a diplomatic solution, with the country's Secretary of State holding talks with his Russian counterpart in Geneva later this week. Meanwhile, the Russian training continues. Today, Ukraine's defence minister told the BBC any conflict would be a disaster for Europe, with a lot of refugees and a lot of blood. James Landell, BBC News. There you have it. Several, several White House mouthpieces, mouthpiece are saying that we are on the cusp of war with Russia in Ukraine. That is a rather disturbing development. And this has been brewing for a while. This isn't something new. You know, if you've been uh, watching any of the uh, news that is out there, uh, here and there, they, they this is not a new thing. This, this, this buildup has been going on and on and on and on. And uh, 
it's going to culminate in something. We ha- we we just have to be ready. We have to we, physically, but most importantly, spiritually ready for whatever's coming. Um, there's no there's no escape plan at this point. Uh, we, we look forward to this. A lot of people do the rapture of the church. I'm not going, even going to go into that because there's a lot of twists and turns in that whole ideal. But remember what the Chinese feller said, Armageddon, Armageddon, Armageddon. And it says in Revelation sixteen sixteen, and he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon or Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from heaven. It is done. Now, the big fight there is you know again, they get tore up. People get tore up during Armageddon. And we may have to look at that in the future a little closer. Uh, a friend, my friend Mike and I are trying to get together and coordinate and do a little look at Revelation. And it's difficult to understand things like the mark of the beast, what it is what's in what's in the works out there to to bring it about and all that kind of thing also we need to be looking at these the rhetoric that's going on right now when you have a chinese mouthpiece for for dong jong ping or whatever saying uh if you try to go against us if you, the australians and the united statesians join against Chinese soldiers, it will be your worst nightmare. It will be Armageddon, Armageddon, Armageddon. Now, I think he may be selling himself a little bit sharp on that last part, but it will not be a good thing for us. And then, of course, we have the battle on the other side of it where we're sitting there looking straight at the grizzly and saying, okay, Putin, we'll take you. We're ready. We'll jump in here. I want you to remind yourself, for those of us who are old enough and smart enough and historically astute enough to remember what happened with the Germans. Maybe that's why the Germans are bagging out on this one of going up against the Russians and fighting in their winter. Old Biden said that we were coming into a dark winter, said we were going to see a lot of death in this winter. And you know something? He may have something there, huh? Maybe he's maybe he knows more than he's saying. We thought it was always going to be about the uh, uh, the whole COVID thing, which it'll probably be a big piece of that in there too. But you know, the dark winter could be we're gonna go over there and see if we can get involved with a little bit of russian action and get tore up in their winter bad idea folks we are ready to wrap today call it an end be in prayer be ready for anything and i mean ready i i always say this i want you to be ready spiritually first and foremost being ready spiritually will get you ready mentally and then give you the ability to take care of the rest of it you'll have some food in your storehouse don't turn away from your church just yet get in there become involved push those who are in leadership positions to Quit talking about nothing and get talking about the things that mean something in this world right now because people are very, very 
unprepared. I think both spiritually, mentally, and everything else. Till next time, this is January the 19th, 2022. Tom Richardson telling you goodbye for now. Till next time.